0: she's such a threat
1: we choose the right to be who we are we know the difference between the reality of freedom and the illusion of freedom
0: there's a way to live
2: with earth and a way not to live with earth we choose the way of earth
1: it's about power Mm -hmm.
3: Greetings and good day, and welcome, my relatives. I shake your hands with good feelings in my heart, and it's good for all of us to be here. In addition to relativity, this is First Voices Radio, and I send you greetings and strength from the east gate of Turtle Island, where the sun and the water touch the earth at once. I'm Teocas and Ghost Horse, and this is an all-native-hosted all to produce First Voices Radio. And from the Red Lake Ojibwe Nation is Liz Hill, the producer of First Voices Radio. Our studio engineer guide is the Malcolm Byrne. And you can now hear us on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Buzzsprout, Spotify, as well as First Voices, indigenousradio.org for archive downloading and listening. Manya Andrews is an indigenous woman from the Kimberley region of Western Australia. And born to an Aboriginal woman and Scottish father, she is proud of her Aboriginal and Celtic heritage. Her Barty saltwater people, now from the Dampier Peninsula and an offshore islands north of Broome, and regarded by Melbourne University as a leading Australian thinker, Munya is an accomplished author and barrister with degrees in anthropology and law. Educated in Australia and the USA, she is fascinated by comparative religions and languages, mythology and science, and intrigued by the way in which they interact and inform each other. Mania's first book, The Seven Sisters of the Pleiades, explores world mythology surrounding the Pleiades star cluster and the relationship between science and spirituality. In Seven Sisters' dreaming serves to empower Aboriginal women and children, and Mania embodies his personification. And from an early age, he lived a life of social disadvantage, poverty, sexual abuse, and not having spoken until the age of five. Her book looks at the common themes and wisdom shared by humanity by these stories, and will be including Journey into Dreamtime, which shares a real story of Aborigine dreamtime from the world's oldest living culture, living with the earth. And so I take you into this conversation with Munya Andrews from the Bardi people of Western Australia. Let me welcome you to First Voices Radio, all the way from Australia.
2: Tia Teokassin. We say hello, Nangamaladi in my language, Bari. It's absolutely marvellous that Indigenous peoples can reach out to each other no matter where we are in the world and connect, because we connect on so
3: many levels. I want you to tell us about what got you interested in what people call Pleiades, the seven sisters, you, you explained earlier that your name, yep. Munya, is about seven sisters.
2: Well, when, when I was a little girl growing up in the bush, my grandmother would tell me stories about the stars. And um, one of my favorites was that of the seven sisters. And so we would, at night, she would say, there they are, the girls, your relatives, um, and so it was almost like it was such an exciting time. I would wonder about my relatives that were in the sky. And throughout my life, I've always looked out for them. And, um, and I would wave to them at night and just really pleased to see them because in our culture, um, we're taught that, um, you know, we come from the stars and that the Seven Sisters came down here on Earth and taught us many things so it was a favorite story of mine and one day when I sat down to write I just was open to the process of writing and I began with, you know, when I was a little girl growing up in the bush and I went, oh, I'm writing a story about the Seven Sisters. And so I kept going with it and it grew and it grew. And I was fascinated in what other cultures, what their stories were about the Seven Sisters. So the book is made up of different chapters from representing different nations and cultures around the world, including the native, one of the Native American stories, of course, concerning devil's tower and the creation um and so i was i was interested to see what were the common themes or threads of, of all of the world's stories and what were they trying to teach us human beings down here so that's that was how my interest began from being taught stories by my grandmother
3: munya you talked about earlier how amazing technology was but it seems that in a way, uh, you were talking about how Pleiades has commonality among us amongst us all as indigenous peoples and around the world. yes, but mm. but that original communication is actually from Pleiades. Would you say not?
2: Yes, I would. Yes, that's where it comes from. Yeah, that, that's the that's the um, that's what joins us uh, unifies us, I believe. And as, as all native peoples as we look up into the night stars. They're there to remind us it's that common thread that um, draw, draws us in in the first place and reminds us of our common humanity.
3: When we talk about common humanity, I think about how the, the uh, perspectives of different it is to know Pleiades on a mountain as to know Pleiades in a desert. How do we connect that to the land? I mean, it seems that would be a difference, actually.
2: It, it would it seemed to be. But when I, when I was looking at the themes, I noticed that there were several themes. One is this connection with water, that <sighs> water is present, present throughout the stories. And then there's always a hill in the stories or um a high hill and of course where devil's tower actually grows into a tree from a rock so that's the connection with the land uh is through the water and then the rocks so um and then the other themes are themes around numbers. There's a play between six and seven. Um, And then the other interesting curious fact is in all of the stories, they're either young girls or young boys. So there's something about youth here that is also connects us as well. So absolutely fascinating for me.
3: Munya, would you take us from continent to continent? Let's start with your continent with uh, Australia.
2: Bandaiyan. Yes, so in the, where I'm from, we call Australia Bandaien, and Bandaien incorporates Gaia concept, the notion that the land is a living, breathing, sentient being. So Bandaien is actually a bisexual being lying on their back. Between the Indian and Pacific Oceans, with its head in the north and so forth. Um, people who recognize Uluru, um, a, a really large stone structure, a monolith um, in Australia, um, uh, Garia people, that's our word for white people, um, they um, talk about Uluru as being the heart, but it's not, it's the stomach of this body, of this bisexual being. So Bandayan is the name for our country and most Australians don't even know that or up until recently didn't care to know that either, but it is a living being and uh, that we walk on and live on. So we in Australia, then we we refer to it as the Pleiades, as the Seven Sisters. So it's a very big dreaming for us, and um, there are many different stories across Australia with all of their different names uh, from the different languages. So Manya being one name, and there are others. But um, then moving over to towards the Pacific, I have a chapter on um, the Maori people's myths of the seven sisters, which they call Matariki. And um, then we move up to Northern Northern Hemisphere, to Japan, where the sisters are known as Subaru, after the car. Uh, The car model is, it should be the other way around, the car model, make and model is named after the stars. And then we moved to the Americas and I focused um, on the story of Devil's Tower. And then moving over to other parts of the world, the Seven Sisters features in almost every culture. I actually have uh, a chapter on the Pleiades in Egypt and I think I'm the only person in the world to write about those stars in Egyptian mythology. That's Aturai, And I'm just thinking of, uh, of the other cultures. so And then, of course, in the um, discussion of the Maori people, I also incorporated a lot of other Pacific Islanders stories, including the Hawaiian uh, nations as well. And um, so Matareki and then to India, um, where the sisters were also known there. And their name is Kritika in Egypt, from which we derive the words critic and critical. So, because there's something about the the sisters um, having a role to play in justice, and so making being critical, making those decisions. So there's a chapter on critical critical. I'm just trying to remember some of the other chapters. Um, mm-hmm. But I think that's there were so many other groups that I could have talked about, but you know you have to limit the book. And I, so I think I've just got seven chapters in there. And then one chapter specifically on the calendar, how those, the what I call the Pleiades calendar. Once again, I think I'm the only person in the world that's written about the Pleiades calendar as such. So um, I looked at the use of those stars in different calendrical systems around the world as well.
3: And the book you're talking about is the Seven Sisters of Theatres Stories from Around the World. Let Let's focus yep. in on Egypt because I know a lot yep. of people have are fascinated with Egypt because they for some reason they think that it's a very old culture or civilization, and yet mm-hmm. as we know as indigenous peoples, they're far more older cultures. Old. I would say. <laughs>
2: I know, I I always laugh in my cultural awareness workshops on that and um, say to people, you know, what's this um, talk about, you know, ancient Babylonia and ancient Egypt? They're just young fellas compared to us. We're much, much older and that always gets a laugh from people, Um, but it's true. But it's fascinating that they actually, um, there are stories about the Pleiades in Egyptian mythology. Uh, A lot of people may not realise, but um, they're associated with uh, once again with justice um, play an important role. Also uh, some of of the monuments erected with the Pleiades aligned to the Pleiades, including um, one of the great Cheops uh, pyramid, uh, the pyramid at Cheops. And um, yeah, but they are associated with justice And one of the lead goddesses, um, if you like, one of the Pleiades goddesses, um, Hathor, the the cow goddess, Um, the Pleiades are actually in the constellation of Taurus. So there's um, that close association with her and the sisters there as as these, again, following from ancient traditions from India, um, they play the same role as critics and, and as judges. Yeah. So
3: I'm thinking about this Munya is, you know, when you talk about stories of the world, for uh, different indigenous peoples, it's uh, a sense of origin story rather than mythology. And I think I read a little yes. bit uh, where science is, uh, science is on the verge of proving our stories from the origin of Pleiades. Is that correct? Or am I just thinking otherwise?
2: Um, no, I'm, I'm not sure if they're um, on that path as shared. But it's just interesting that it plays such an important role in so many of the world's cultures uh, and influenced almost every sphere from from art through to um, engineering, poetry, writings, and several of the great religious texts mention them as well, uh, including the Bible.
3: I think part of where I'm trying to go is Leroy Little Bear from the Blackfoot physics. And how they view, you know, life from that quantum physical way is a lot of indigenous peoples, if you break down or which you can't really break down our language because it's so encoded in how we live and how we view the stars that it's Mm. it's almost difficult for me to to break uh, Lakota apart. It's Mm. difficult to put it into subjective or objectifying noun language because it's all about energy and motion. And I think this is what from what I read from the book Seven Sisters of the Pleiades is I'm getting that energy feeling as I read along, even though it's about science and astronomy and astrology and relationship to the stars. So am, am I close in thinking the book Seven Sisters of the Pleiades is actually talking about the truth of who we are rather than the myth? Because we can say myth. We're talking about the, the story, how, how we got here we have seven ceremonies
2: um definitely and I think the closest that anyone a, a Western scientists come to that is the the seven sisters of Eve um, or yeah. seven daughters of Eve there's that acknowledgement that that the that, that trace scientists have looked at the genetic origins of human beings on this planet and trace it to seven mothers in the world which is just incredible when you think about it in in that way so it's Encoded in our DNA, if you like, that seven is. And then Madame Blavatsky, who is an amazing theosophist and philosopher, um, also um, in her writings, a lot of people dismiss her as a cook, but I find her very fascinating. And she talks about the sevening of creation. Um, that's incredible and fascinating. And within the sevening of creation, you have the four of the male and the three of the uh, female. So there's the, part that the masculine
3: and the feminine play in creation as well yeah yeah and, and now coming back to uh, Australia and you talk yes. about uh, the creator the, the that made the little girl and the water muscle and we may not go have to go that far but the letter v in a sense seems yes. to indicate different I guess genders is that correct
2: yeah, well, just and especially associated with um, femaleness, the, the the muscle, the water muscle, is so sacred that men can't eat of it. They say that's mama, very sacred. That's for women only. What's interesting in in, in our spirituality is that men can only become sacred through women. Um, yeah. They have to go through to the women to be. To be, um, one of my elders told me, women don't have to have initiation ceremonies because you're already sacred. Whereas us, us men, we have to and um, go through that to become sacred like you, which is very honoring um, of the woman and femaleness.
3: How how patriarchal it is for us in this Western world to. Kind of put that story aside because it seems like that we we have to make up theory and and what I call mind junk in order to avoid that story you just told. Everybody comes through the sacred woman. Very, very true in many indigenous societies. And, you know, the Western mind is always looking for proof.
2: I find that weird thinking, always this looking for proof constantly instead of just trusting intuition or knowing that intuition in itself is knowledge that we can know things simply by intuiting things and to me that sort of knowledge is is far more meaningful than the other where things can be proven i was watching a documentary on netflix about robert johnson the great um guitarist um black guitarist that gave the world rock and roll and that and his great his grandson was talking and said he said he set a line there um, that really hit home for me. And he said, I think sometimes um, not everything has to be understood in this world. We don't always have to understand mystery. It just is.
3: <laughs> wow. That was so powerful. So what I was told by my mother, who is an 87-year-old elder now, she said that you cannot speak, in this case, our language, Lakota. We cannot speak Lakota without intuition.
2: Yeah, um, yeah, no, I, I totally agree with that. And I think intuition could be brought to all um, facets of learning and aspects of learning. And I, I'm interested in the way we learn as human beings, but um, also the way that Indigenous people learn as opposed to others. And I think a lot of it is intuitive, uh, you know, that we can teach mathematics by using intuition instead of being stuck with formula and this boxes and that we can understand mathematics on that intuitive level is where I'm more interested in finding out more about and uh, things like that.
3: That, That's very interesting because if you see, and I don't like to say the similarities or the differences, but they point themselves Hmm. out is, yes, what I was told in my experience is we accept mystery and not try to solve it where the western world is trying to solve the mystery and that's why they're going crazy trying to prove it
2: absolutely i I see that all all the time and um because i think with just our people just accepting mystery it's it's about respect Mm -hmm. and i think when you really want to know something in full or think that you've known know it you're boxing that in and you're not respecting that at mm. all uh, in mm. fact quite the
3: opposite so we're we talk we're talking to Munya andrews who is the author of the seven sisters of pleiades stories from around the world and i'd like to talk about the new book that you have coming out and i i'm really it's, fascinated just by the title journey into dream time because all over the world people know australia as one of the original peoples of, at least with culture. And yes. and I want to ask you to take a step by step into that world that we have in the Western world kind of Americanized or, or basically taking the, um, I don't know, we, we want to define it to own it. But yet the story consists, it's consistent with what you're telling me that there is always a dream time and you know and i i I love the idea that it's it's along the song lines or dream lines uh in in your land and and to me that's just so fascinating it speaks to my dna let's just say it that way
2: yeah well um the book is out and it's available also through amazon if people want to grab a hold of it um and i wrote it because one of the uh, you know i do teach cultural awareness here in australia and Um, Indigenous cultural awareness, and one of the biggest questions I get asked all the time is, Mania, what's dream time? And and it's like asking someone, you know, well, what's Christianity or Islam? Uh, Have we got hours to, you know, explain? But I wrote the book as a general introduction to explain Indigenous spirituality. And I start with a quote from one of our elders who says, um, you know, gadia people ask us all the time, "What is dream time?" And he says, "This is really difficult to answer because dreaming is a really big thing for mm-hmm. Aboriginal people." Mm-hmm. And um, and so I say, "And so it is." And but this book is going to try and introduce some elements of dream time for you that you can relate to. And so that's how I start. But it's a really big thing. And I say to people, it takes a lifetime to learn because it is a way of living. Uh, wisdom, very, you know, as my people know, um, takes a long time to learn and usually comes after a lifetime of living that you gain that wisdom. That's why we have elders in, in our society and culture and very respectful of them because they know, you know, they know, and under things understand things more so than when you're young or a baby or whatever. But people are fascinated by dream time, so it's an uh, invitation to them to come and learn and find out about dreaming. And it's about, once again, many parallels with with Native American spirituality, you know, the notion that we're all related to one another and not Mm -hmm. just to each other as human beings, but to the animals and plants and stones and stars. And, And so I teach them about kinship, Aboriginal kinship, In our kinship system, we we call it in Aboriginal English, skin. We use the English term skin, S-K-I-N, because when you pass away, your body is decorated with your family totems on your body. So that's where the word skin comes from. But it's kinship. What we do is we have skin groups where the society's um, broken up into different skin groups. They differ again across the nations. Some are two, some are four, six, eight. And it goes on like that. But then everybody is related to each other in that skin group. So we we place people into skin groups, show them how the system works, and then they have to go off and find their relatives, which is quite hilarious at times, running around. Are you my cousin, brother, my... my auntie, my uncle, and they have to find all of these relatives. But in the end, what happens after they play the skin game, they see the world from our eyes and see that we are all interrelated and interconnected and that we're all related to one another. And so I end the session with um, just a PowerPoint presentation of a few slides of different human beings around the world and saying, what happens, do you think? In our hearts, and our minds, when we look at people who we once thought of as different because maybe their skin's a different colour from us, it's darker or, you know, another person's wearing weird paint on their face or markings on their face. Or they're wearing weird clothes like, you know, Muslims, and we don't understand the hijab or something. Or they have different political opinions like Donald Trump or the equivalent in our country, Pauline Hanson. Um, But what if we thought of these people as family? What happens in our hearts and our minds? And what I suggest to them is that what happens is there's this incredible shift of consciousness in our hearts and our minds where no longer we see someone as a threat, but as another valuable human being that we have much to learn from as well as well as to teach. it's a mutual a reciprocal relationship um, with each other. and so, um, Dreamtime teaches us that we're related to everything uh, in in the world and, you know, and we have a mother-in-law taboo in our culture where you're not allowed to speak to your mother-in-law and we explore the reasons um, for that and of course it's got, it comes down once again to to respecting woman and the special relationship between mother and child. I think Bayard Johnston and the other um, Native American writer, um, uh, you know, talked about that relationship that exists between mother and child. That uh, is so important. That's why we have the mother-in-law taboo, but it's about, making these connections and, and people understanding that everything is interrelated and interconnected with one another. So, um, and it's from our dreaming that teaches us that. And so people come out with it, just a renewed sense and uh, on a, on a, of appreciation for Indigenous peoples
3: and our cultures. And that's Monia Andrews, who's an Indigenous Aborigine of the Bardi or people of the Saltwater from Western Australia and we'll continue with our second part of the interview after listening to this great song that goes in relationship with it. It's called All the Stars Seem to Weep. This is Tiokas and Ghost Horse, First Forces Radio. True to the things you once knew when you were younger. Culture, ceremony, and life was all that was left to hunger. And and too much leaves an empty, aching hunger, described as washichu in our language, or takes too much. And we were interviewing, and then we'll go back to Munya Andrews for part two. She is an indigenous Aborigine of the Bardi, or people of saltwater from Western Australia. She is from the Bardi people, or the saltwater people, and Munya Andrews and I talked after, and we talked a little bit before, but we understood something about this is the longing. We all long for the stars, and a lot of religions say, "Well, it's heaven. We're going to go back to heaven, We're going to go up to heaven. So you know, there's no difference in what we say as indigenous peoples that you just say it in different language. and we we keep ours our original stories, but yet one, another language would say that we are it's a myth and that we have to prove it well i think if we could bleed over onto saying everything is a myth then when you make it a religion it really becomes a myth and sounds like a fairy tale story and you begin to get into dualities of heaven and hell and right and wrong and left and right and all these ideas that uh, really don't fit this transmitting of of multi-dimensional. Languages that are still related, not connected, but related to the stars, as Munya Andrews and I talked about this. And we're going to continue this Munya Andrews part two right now. Thank you for joining us here on First Voices Radio. It feels like I'm breathing a little. Easier because people seem to be paying attention not only to indigenous peoples but to the earth a little bit more. So, in our consistency of of sustaining our livelihood with the earth, but also, you know, I would go back to my culture where parts of our body are named after parts of the earth in in our culture and and even animals and plants. You said something about dreaming ears, dreaming eyes. Tell us about that.
2: So um, yeah so i when when people say Manya, how can i understand dreaming or dream time and i say well we have certain practices where um we open up these dreaming ears and eyes so we can see that hidden world um you know that that western world wants to keep divided and separate like this um for us it's as we know it's the whole um the the, the unseen and the seen worlds uh, and so but we can only appreciate that if we open our dreaming eyes and our dreaming ears to, to be able to see and to to listen, to be able to hear. Um, it reminds me of the biblical, in the Bible it says, you know, those who have eyes to see and and ears to hear. It's the same concept with us. Um, and so I take them through different cultural practices that that teach you to access these points of view and, and being. So we have practices like um, Dadiri, which is um, a deep listening, deep listening to the earth and to each other. And it's almost like a meditation practice that you go into to be able to, to, to see beyond what is physically there, to be able to to see the earth breathe and, and move as it, uh, or to see um, a tree reciprocating giving us in oxygen you know taking carbon and giving out oxygen so that's your dreaming ears and dreaming eyes where you can uh, uh, begin to see the world um, as it should be seen really it's just getting more in touch with that with that inner world you have to go within to um, experience
3: that. Very interesting because you keep your mind to you my culture, too, is a, you know, our answer said that. Um, so, so let me start with this. When I was in Australia last 2020, early January, um, I, I went there and people said, um, you must bring your wisdom of your people. And I said, wait, no, no, I'm in Australia. There are elders here of this land. Yes. And it's, it's yes. not the people who just came here, it's the Aboriginal people. So I want to meet the elders, which happened. And I think that's what we're missing is that in America, people think that native people came here 10, 20, 30,000 years ago. But I often say we're elders of this land, but we also have elders. And those are the rocks and the trees and the animals and the rivers and a mountain. Crazy Horse said, we live in the shadow of the real world. And you quoted in your last book about black elk, Saying something that uh, the center of the universe is everywhere. It's everywhere. That's right. It's that that
2: the place of stillness, um, and people go out to 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 search for it. But it, once again, I keep I make associations with the Bible because I'm interested in comparative religions and that. But mm-hmm. you know, even Christ said. Um, you know, the, um, the, the kingdom of God is within, the place of stillness, the place of knowledge and learning and wisdom. It's about mm-hmm. sitting still and going to that place and being centred um, but also having the humility to acknowledge those other elders you mentioned. People might not think of um, stones and rocks and trees as being our elders, but they are, and they they have much to
3: teach us, and we have much to learn from them. Yeah, I mean, thank you for speaking with me, Munya Andrews. The book that you have coming out, I can mention again, is Journey into Dreamtime. And yep. so when I go forward with... With asking more questions, it's going to come from, that's the real world. Because when I get up, I'm almost trying, I'm trying to wake up in this one. But yet I'm bringing that knowledge, that intelligence from that other world, the other dimension into this so-called restricted one. And speaking in a language, it needs cause and effect. It needs a beginning and an ending. And it needs a hierarchical structure. And I'm just describing a box. A lot of people want to... Uh, they are barely able to talk about the elephant in the room, Munya. But now there's they're yes. talking about the elephant. But then they're in the room. But I wonder how did the elephant get in the room and who built the room? Whose idea was to build a building that contains the room that contains the elephant? <laughs> that,
2: that's great. That's funny you say that because, um, uh, you know, when I look, you know, walk around the city and I think what what artificial structures and creations they are the same thing as w- what gave human beings the idea that yeah you build these buildings um and and that's our reality our world when when nature has that all of that like we don't need those buildings and though to box us in like that um yeah it's a mm. it's
0: a really
3: weird thing <laughs> i think i think it we need to talk about those things that people won't talk about. And you maybe said, alluded, you reminded me something about the learning styles in the, in the beginning of this interview, the, the yes. styles between, uh, you know, data collection, I guess, knowledge in that way, information grading and validating. And then here's the Native people, very non-linear. but as Native people, we put those together. And I think that's the gift that we bring is that we can put those together as such as yourself coming from the from the Celtic and the Aborigine cultures, is that that's our job? It mm. seems to kind of is that we have to do this for the Mother Earth right now, because I think we're too anthropocentric, yes. too anthropocentric.
2: Yes, we 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 we, we totally are. Um, we're so focused on me, 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 mm. instead of looking outward, looking at at her and, and the creation that's out there, um, it's the other way around, isn't it? And mm. um, so, um, yeah, it's a, it, that's why meditation and sitting in silence and walking on the land and, you know, I teach people how to walk on the land um, because the elders would teach me that, Mania, it's important to walk barefoot on the land mm. um, because the um, information comes up. Through the soles of your feet. And I say S O U L S, the soles of your feet. That's how we get knowledge and information we have the same history in australia of our children being removed from their families Mm -hmm. we refer to them as the stolen generations so people will come up some stolen generations people will come up to me and say oh you know auntie we've lost that you know we don't have that Mm -hmm. anymore and i say no that's not true don't believe that for a minute the knowledge is there it's in the land and you have to take off your shoes and walk on the earth and that knowledge will come back to you. In this lifetime, that's you've been disconnected from that and that you didn't have elders pass that down because you were removed, but it's still there waiting for you and you just have to do that and walk and reconnect and the old people will talk to you and the knowledge will come up through the soles of your feet and teach you what always was. So, yeah.
3: uploading from the earth yes
2: definitely and that's where it's coming from it's not about and it's ego when we think oh i'm so smart and i'm so brilliant look what i can see it's not it's a gift and and it has come to us um through the birds or through the trees or through the Mm -hmm. earth um
3: but that's where it comes from you know i i've grown up um Listening to the outside world, so to speak, and how their their gods came from someplace uh, basically dogmatic in hierarchy. Mm. And and mm. with my people, I didn't grow up with that. It was it was yep. in everything, not just in one place. So, you know, yes. it I was difficult to me to put it into dogma, so to speak, um, because our language, and I could say mitakwe oyasi, I'm sure you heard that before, which means all my mm. relation, as you say, skin. That's right. And yeah. so when I'm thinking about language, I'm bringing forward now more of a, a verb language rather than the noun, the subjective, the objectifying of everything. And so now I'm seeing things. Alive, because I'm speaking that alive verb language of Lakota again, right? And I think that's mm. where mm. we, t- you and I, talk about the quantum physics as well as Leroy Little Bear and other Native people who are now coming forward. With mm. uh, we have to be in the the living of it, not in the past or the future, but right here in order to understand both ways. And with your book, Journey into Dreamtime, is actually that's the lines that are so famous across the world that we have no word for lost, as well as you. You have no word for lost. I hear. But as you were talking
2: then, and you talked about, you know, the dogma and 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 the churches and the once again building the uh, the building of the church like it's a physical being. It's almost like um, they try to trick you that that's the only space you can enter that's sacred, whereas its sacredness is everywhere. It isn't just in this one building that you walk into that you call church and you go to on every Sunday and pray. You can pray every second, every minute when you're out there in nature because the church is all around. And um, I've always found that, um, really, kind of like um fascinating that 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 people think you have to build a box to go into to to be to enter the sacred when the sacred is all around
3: us. Mm. Do you think, Manya, that sacred places make us rather than us, as humans, making places sacred? Your thoughts on that one?
2: Yeah, that's a great question. I, I think sacred places make us sacred. We can sanctify things and, um, you know, go to a certain springs or waterholes and that. But it already is um, sacred that I yeah. think it's, it's, it's inherently sacred in, in nature in itself.
3: Mm. Mm. So yeah. I want to just thank you. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty sure I might have missed something um, that you wanted to say throughout. Maybe I interrupted something which I didn't mean to or something that truly belongs to, that you might want to say.
2: Oh gosh! Um, no, I just just that I think that um, there is great wisdom in in indigenous cultures, and um, that's all um, that we have a lot to offer humanity. Um, but but the importance also for, of learning from from each other. Everybody has something to teach you. That's something that I've learned in life, no matter how large or small. Every time I meet someone, I learn something from everyone. It all contributes to this, my collective repository of knowledge and wisdom. Someone will just say a sentence to me and it'll stick with me. And I think that's a message, you know, they brought me a message to think about something in a different way. And that Learning is much broader than what than what we think it is, and and to open our hearts and our minds to that broader perspective, also just it comes back down to respect for me, respect for another human being, respect for the land, respect for the earth, respect for all that exist. Um, that's the first place to begin with. I think that that opens doors to learning. And, and that we have so much to learn. And isn't it marvelous that we do
3: as well. Thank you from, for the journey from Pleiades to Australia, to the Cosmo vision that we all have. And maybe we'll become more aware of it, which is needed now for the earth. And I always say, let's do things for the earth now, not ourselves so much anymore.
2: Exactly. It's the reminder to, to return to the ways of our old people um, because they are the wise
3: ones. Andrews, it's a pleasure and honor to speak to you all the way in Australia, and thank you for speaking from your heart, and thank you yes. for your intelligence of spirit. Thank you.
2: Yeah, thank you for inviting me on the show, and um, uh, very much appreciate it. And I'm honored and privileged uh, to to have met you, um, and and hope so to do so one day in person. That would be wonderful.
3: For sure, and I'm looking forward to reading your book. Um, in the journey into dream time and who knows we'll, we'll, maybe we'll do another interview but thank you. that's that would be right yes. Awesome, yeah. okay Monia Andrews is an uh, indigenous woman from the Kimberley region of Western Australia born to an Aboriginal woman and Scottish father and she's proud of both her Aboriginal and Celtic heritage and her Bardi salt people came from come from the Dampier Peninsula and the offshore islands north of Room on the western side of Australia. You can imagine that land out there, just nothing to stop it, right? And I think about the expanse that they grow up with, with seeing Pleiades almost, you know, at least half of the year. And it appears that uh, there are individuals amongst indigenous peoples that keep the so called astronomy, but actually the consciousness of it, that they don't have to raise it or lower it, but they're in the consciousness of it. And if you can hang in there with me and try to stay with me, they are like the Hopi and Lakota and the Maori and and as you you heard indigenous peoples have kept that original stories of and we don't really say that these are aliens because if that's where we come from then who are we as as indigenous peoples at least but other peoples and as she mentioned people of the bible also have some of those stories and thing that i think about is that uh, the appearance of maybe I would say getting away from living with the earth and has, has not understanding the origin stories of Pleiades because that's heard, it's anti-religious, It's uh, you become a heretic, you're not able to understand. Well, actually, what happens is they take those and make it into myths. I said it before. This is a different saying to think about when we say Dayamnipa. We're talking about all the emergence of life and The Hopi's when they first see Pleiades, in in that time of March, I think it was, they begin to sing. They begin to sing about the creation stories, and many indigenous peoples have the creation story in our ceremonies. Every one of them, in this case, Lakota, as I am told, that they, that we have this necessity with one another. Imagine that a necessity with one another. And this is how we continue, is by looking at the stars, and even so, that we have a story about. Don't stop counting the stars. That means that you will always be in contact in consciousness with who you are inside as well as outside. And if that makes any sense, then then great. And it was great, and it was a pleasure interviewing Monia Andrews. And I know she's coming out with this new book that I described earlier. What we'll be doing is, is talking about that book later on in the new year, coming new year, so-called. And that book, Journey into Dreamtime, will be will be here and I'll be reading it and, and watching and listening to one of the world's oldest living culture, Living with the Earth. And with that, I want to thank you for listening to us here on First Voices Radio again. And our producer is Liz Hill and... It's that time of year that everybody wants to switch and it's all we're all going to start all over and reset and how do you say the resolves or the promises to oneself that we're going to change and lose weight but that these we're all concerned about human things human things right and we're not really including the earth this is what I would say is that include the earth and everything first next year and if you could do that then but well, we were talking about Midakuye Oyasi. So we are all related, but not just to human beings. We're, we're related to all of that, including the stars. And without the stars, there would be no earth. Um, I could say this as a simple thought process, but when you get into the communication of, of these languages, and one of my elders, Charmaine Whiteface, said, we always, and I said it during the interview, my mother talks about not being able to speak Lakota without intuition. And Charmaine Whiteface would say, also a Lakota woman would say that we we communicate mostly through mental telepathy. And this is how we have always communicated, but you see how science fiction turns it into something that is superstition, that is something about Harry Potter, that is something very different. So because it doesn't work when when it's out of control. So they tell you and program you into control language, and it's very restrictive. So you can't get outside of the box. You tend to extract and try to bring it back into the box. And if you understand that, then good on you. So i like to say that and thank you for joining us here on First Voices Radio. My name is T-Oks and Ghost Horse, and uh, we'll see you next time. Doksha Ake watching till.
1: We're on the road, we're leaving now Gonna find the place they call tomorrow Tomorrow It's the place we dreamed about If we go, there ain't no doubt They'll follow, they'll follow Suddenly we've come this far I realize there's so much more to this life This life I believe in you And if you believe in me We're there by daylight Take me to the stars We can never go too far Too far Take me to the stars Let's find out who song with you in mind we can pass the past with you in mind for right now mm, right now i had a dream of you and i said sacred teaching show us why and show us how show us how hear the voice of mother earth she's asking what she's really worth she's crying We can never go too far Yeah, take me to the stars